And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back. We have a special guest this episode, and it's Kevin Zuniga. He is from Nogales, Arizona, right across the border from Nogales, Mexico. I've been to both places. Maybe we'll have to talk about it. I've been to both places. Oh, nice. Uh, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But uh, Kevin, he's, he's a re- recent grad from the um, University of Arizona up in Tucson. But he lives down on the border. And uh, he did an article in uh, the, actually, the November issue of Street Photography Magazine, which is uh, when this drops, it's going to still be the current issue. And uh article that really caught our attention we thought we would invite kevin on to kind of drill down deeper into his work into his personal work and the project he's working on and uh that's what we're going to do today so kevin welcome thanks for being with us thank you so much again for having me thank you to all the listeners uh on the radio or on the podcast right now yeah oh no glad to do it glad to have you here and a, a good thing we were able to connect sometimes it's a little tough we're a couple hours apart, uh, time zone wise, and uh, this is neat that we're able to do this during, during a pandemic, though. So this is actually really interesting. I'm actually really happy to do this. Good, good, good. Well, good. This will give you a chance to tell us all about your your thinking and, and you know why you did what you did and how you did it, and and uh, so we all want to wor- learn from you, learn from your experience. Sweet. So let's tap into my brain. <laughs> that's right we'll do a vulcan mind meld here <laughs> you know virtual anyway yeah so before we get into things why don't you just tell us a little bit about you know how you got into photography into documentary photography and just tell us your story share your journey with us well originally i think it's funny because as i moved out of nogales arizona to tucson i originally when i got to pima community college i wanted to start uh, studying animation, 3D animation, possibly going to like Pixar, Disney, and such like that. Um, I had a friend at the time who was in a car uh, car club with some uh, members that live up in Tucson. And so he had asked me like, hey, like, uh, I noticed your family had a camera from when we played football in high school. Do you think they still have that? And would you like mind taking pictures of our cards? So I said, sure, why not? Um, who would have known that from there, I would have picked up and just uh, have taken photos of so many things, places, people, and and for it to now lead to where I'm at with what I do now is so crazy and interesting. Um, everything really does happen for a reason, and so I think it's crazy. And something as small as just taking photos of my my friend's car club could then lead to now, and I'm over here traveling to different border towns and um, and taking photos of the beautiful people across that border fence. You just never know where something's going to lead, right? Never. Even now, like, who knows with, with, like, with the podcast and, you know, being on, on Street Photo Magazine, where it could possibly lead me in the next six years again. Um, I don't know. I, it's just crazy how life works. No, I think, you know, you just have to keep putting yourself out there and trying new things. And I, I, think- I have way too many projects that go on in my head. It's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. I feel like Gene Wilder at times Um, because I've always got some sort of idea uh, popping up or I've got some sort of image popped up in my head, which is something I really love. I I love having the, even before I take an image, I have a photo 
if of the image in my head and I chase and go out there and try to get that same image. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you've got all these ideas streaming through your head. I know how that feels. I mean, how do you, how do you stop and capture them so they don't, you don't lose it later? If Sometimes, I mean, it depends on what I'm actually trying to go for. Uh, if it's an image, I mean, all images are doable. No images is impossible. Um, but if I see one and I ha I have to get it, it, like I'm not satisfied if it's not a hundred percent to my vision of how I saw it in my head. Um, and honestly, too, sometimes for the most part, it just happens, or the image will pop up into my head as I'm listening to either music or uh, more than that. It happens when I'm in the car, just silent, dead silent, as I'm driving. Mm -hmm. uh, all I see is a perfect image or. There's times too where I'll see something just happening casually on the road, you know, like I'll see them, I'll see the way the the sun is hitting a big old giant mountain down here in Rio Rico, and I just want to take a photo of it. Sometimes I what I hate, uh, me being as a photographer, I don't have my my camera with me twenty four seven, which is oh. something I hate. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it because I, there's times where there's a lot of perfect picture, uh, perfect picture moments. You know what? I'm just uh, I'm in the middle of watching a video. I had to stop it. Um, <laughs> Leica does a series of videos, conversations with photographers. This one's with Joel Meyerowitz and uh, uh, Melissa O'Shaughnessy. And Joel said, you know, he's like over 80 years old. He said he has a camera with him everywhere. He even puts it on the bedside at night. And he's <laughs> always got it with him. <clears throat> I've gotten to the point now where I don't take the lens off of my of the body of my camera because at yeah. this point, if I it like now if it's if it's there, I have the camera ready. Yeah, don't do that. You you live in the desert, you know. Don't don't be taking that lens off. You get sand inside your <laughs> dust inside <laughs> your on your <laughs> sensor. No. If I'm taking the lens off, it stay, it stays in the bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, we're getting off track here, but. <laughs> So you've been doing, uh, you, you know, you went to school, you're thinking of doing uh, animation and you got into still photography. Are you still pursuing the animation was, field or did you just completely get away from it? No, it, it completely, I lost sidetrack of that as soon as I hit my first darkroom uh, photo class at Pima. Um, so I was working with film at the time and I just love, I honestly, I really do love film photography. I do oh, yeah. I just. I happen to love digital a little bit more in the sense of how quick it is to get the images that I want. Mm -hmm. um, but I do love film because I, I, I even find the darkroom process as an art form before you show the art. Um, I love, I truly did love being in the darkroom. And the only, again, I just jumped over to digital because of how fast and how modern it is in the sense of being able to get my photos out there quicker. Sure. Um, so from there, and it just kind of picked up from there, my love for photography. And um, so I completely jumped ship from animation when I transferred over from Pima to the university uh, straight into photography. And honestly, the University of Arizona has a great program. I love all the teachers. I love every class that I've ever taken there. Like it was probably the most fun I've ever had in school since I've joined school. <laughs> you. Um so what do you what do you plan on doing with it? What do I plan on doing with it? Honestly, mm -hmm. I just kind I keep I just want to keep telling 
the story of who we are as people, you know, as who we are as Chicano people, who we are as Latino people, you know, just in general, I wanted to show the world who we are instead of, especially due to the recent political climate with, with, with Trump or, and stuff like that. I mean, personally, I just, I can't, I can't let just someone sit there and, and set an image up for us when, when they, he, he literally has no clue as to who we are and how hard we work. Um, it just, it blows my mind that how, how easy people can listen to someone and just, and not take it into their own perspective and to go out there and take a look at and see what, what he is saying is true. And it's not at all to, it's not a hundred percent true at all. Um, I think it's funny how you could sit there and talk about Mexico and how bad we are and stuff like that. When in reality, you look at this side and we're no, we're no better. I mean, we have our own, we have our own people that are bad. I mean, so I just don't, I don't get how you could sit there and ridicule us and versus the, the country that he's in. Well, we could go into that in great depth. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know, the, the title of your article, I think says it all. We are all human. And we That's are. Exactly you know, I I mean, be, all yeah. people want the same thing. You know, whether you're living in a high rise in New York City or you're, you know, you're in the, the bush of Australia somewhere. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you don't even wear, you know, Western clothes or whatever. <laughs> you know, all human beings want want the same thing, basically. And, then, yeah, you know, I think you do a good job telling that story. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I'm What I'm trying to show through uh, through these images and anything that I put out is that status does not mean, does not define who you are as a person. Um, if you let status define who you are as a person, I mean, that says a lot more about you than the person who doesn't allow status to affect their life. Because, again, then at that point, who's really living, who's living the, the who's living the most to their life? at their highest capacity at that point when someone's just focused on status versus living in the moment or, mm -hmm. or trying to make it through. I mean, we all have, we all take it for granted on this side, how easy we have it versus how hard and difficult it is for everybody on that side of the border fence to, to live every day. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I, I've been to Mexico many times. I, I love it there. That people are just so, I mean, of course, I'm generalizing, but just they're mm. really decent, genuine people mm -hmm. and friendly. I mean, there's lots of bad guys over there, of course, but lots of bad guys over here. But uh, it's just a cool place. I just love how passionate people are over there. It doesn't yeah. really matter what they're doing. They could be making boots from scratch, selling corn on the side of the street. Yeah. And, anything and they do it with a smile on their face i mean again it's not like they do it for the enjoyment of i mean some may be doing it for the enjoyment of what they actually do uh but others for the most part it's not they just do it for survival they're not doing it to because they they truly enjoy it you know this you could tell sometimes in in the faces of these people's or and the wrinkles on their on their cheeks and stuff like that that you know they put a lot of time and effort into it but it's not for something out of enjoyment. I'm pretty sure they had their own dreams that again, due to the, the circumstances that they're limited to, I mean, they have to do what's best for trying to get food on the table for themselves or, 
or sure. their family. Sure. You got to, you got to survive. Got to take care of your family. There's no other way around it. So tell me this, you know, sometimes we hear, um, especially far away from the border when you're in places like Ohio or, <laughs> you know, Indiana or wh- whatever. I'm not making uh-huh. fun of those places. I grew up not in yet. both of them. Um, but, you know, you keep hearing that the border, it's just dangerous place. You know, there's all these terrible people coming across the border doing all these awful things. How true is that? No, in no way, shape, or form is that true. They make it sound like it's World War Z. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they make it sound like it's World War Z where a bunch of zombies trying to come through and ruin it. Um, no, in no way, shape, or form is that true. The The people on both sides of that border fence are, you know, as genuine as can be, you know. Well, again, we're just human. We're just out here trying to have a put have put a smile on someone's face have someone put a smile on our face while while getting the job done and whatever it has to be throughout that day but yeah, yeah none of that is true no way to perform so <laughs> i, I, I always you know, think it's you know funny. i'm talking to a guy who lives right there why don't you why don't you just put that put that uh story to rest so yeah Thank that you. does not exist at any border town and i've been to several so it's just like I don't know what I don't know what they think. I think I, for the most part, they they probably stick to the to like if anything ever did have happen at a border town, uh, they keep that bad image there forever. Versus all the good that 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 town has ever had done and stuff like that. So it's it it blows my mind. Again, these are people that have never been to the border fence yet or the border a border town border wall, and they just yeah. out of complete imagination. Yep. Yep. Stories. Yep. Stories. Yeah, I've been to been to Nogales twice. Once I was like fifteen. Oh and my once, goodness. Yeah, once not yeah, it's been a while, but I was at a conference in uh in uh Tucson and a group of us went down so let's go, you know, let's go to Mexico. So we took <laughs> off, went over to Nogales so we could have some chelas, you know. Yep. <laughs> that's what, that's probably one of the best things that I <laughs> that's like one of the things that i look for too as i'm like just walking through the town oh they just i just love mexico so much i love the people i love the city that's um and i, I assume you're uh you're fluent in spanish i'm pretty fluent i think it's yeah. funny uh because i was not i mean like being fluent is not funny but when i'm starting to talk because in my head i'll have it perfectly written out uh-huh. i i know exactly what to say and then I start talking and it sounds butchered sometimes. It depends. Bigger words. I'm starting to try to learn bigger words because, uh-huh. yeah, because the bigger words are are killing me right now. But, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm pretty fluent in Spanish, though. Yeah, I, I started learning it several years ago at a woman who worked for me. And every Thursday, she would only speak to me in Spanish. And oh, I, my I, could, I had to speak to her and, and uh, I was I was terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I, try to, I try to use it. We we have a lot of Spanish speakers here, you know, come from Central America. And I try and I go, what? <laughs> what are you saying? It, it blows my mind sometimes <laughs> to see that there's that there's like Latin American people or Chicano people out in on the East Coast. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I know. I mean, we have a bunch of Cubans down in uh, in Florida and such like that. But it's like if I ever see like 
because I know there's Puerto Ricans up in New York and stuff like that. But if I ever, uh, I just love seeing how di- how crazy shifted we are in this country. And oh yeah. Not a, I could go anywhere, and there's gonna be there's gotta be some sort of like Latin descent or Latin American people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and I you know I think it's really enriched our culture. That's something well, I really want to yeah. do eventually later on with uh with my photos. I want to be able to take photos of the Latin American Chicano people here in the U.S. and try to see if people can distinguish whether it was taken in Mexico or taken here in the That's United cool. States. You should connect with Keith Dannemiller. He's a photojournalist he's from Akron, Ohio, actually, but he's been living in Mexico City for twenty some years. Oh, and, and then um, he's involved in this uh, Windows on Main Street project, which is in a small town in North Carolina, Wilson, North Carolina. And he was an artist in residence there a few years ago. And mm-hmm. so he focused on the Latin American community because he speaks fluent Spanish okay. and and documented, you know, life in in these in these communities in the middle of North Carolina. Again, out of out of all the places you would think, North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. <laughs> Same thing here, Virginia. Yep. And you, his, you said his name was Keith Dillinger. Keith Dana Miller. I'll give you his yes, contact Dana info. Miller. All right, perfect. See his work. He's fabulous, fabulous photographer. Great guy too. I have to check it out. I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. Here we are talking culture and everything. We got to <laughs> talk. We were like, uh, you know, 16 minutes into this. We got to talk photography. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so you did this article. You sent us an article called mm-hmm. We're All Human. And I, then I went, I went to your website and I, I looked at your stuff. and. I guess just to sum it up, um, that what can I say? Your your work has soul, should I say? It has a lot of soul. I mean, a lot of people, I think myself included, we try to go out and get the shot. You know, try to get get a cool picture. You know, a po- cool yeah. photograph. But your work is more. I'm trying to trying to think of the term for what you've done is. It's got a lot of heart, you know. There's, you could, they could just see the photographs of the people. You could see there's a lot, of, a lot of your own heart that's gone into it. And I don't even know if you can tell us how you do that. <laughs> Again, I just see them as human, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just see them as human. I don't see them as anything else. I don't see them. I just see them as human. I just see them as people that are. Again, they're out. They're out every. They're out doing every day what they have to do to survive, and. Again, we take life for granted over here. Over there, they they're blessed for everything they have, everything they everything they have, everything they've had, and everything they're going to receive. Um, 
So that's what I try to do in my photos is I just try to capture that. For the most part, I like to try to capture uh, people as they're doing any some sort of action, like basically mm-hmm. in their natural habitat. I have this weird like hunter, hunter, like prey or predator uh, kind of like mentality when I take photos, because as soon as I lift up my camera and they see that, they oh they they cover their faces they they <laughs> they just don't want to be seen so uh-huh. at this point i've started going up to people and i've started letting them know who i am what i do what i'm trying to do and they embrace it a hundred percent in some really? of the photos yeah they embrace it a hundred percent in some of the photos too um i have one of a corn vendor in front of a church and um I asked him if I could take a photo and he was sitting off to the side next to the church. And I asked him if I could uh, take a photo of him basically to show the people on this side of the fence, who we are as people, how hardworking we are that, you know, we're just human. We're just out here trying to, trying to make, make something of our lives, trying to show who we are while putting a smile on our face. And he brought me over to his station and said, look, I'll stand right here. Uh, you take a photo of me right here make sure you get the corn and i was like okay wait who's taking this photo here like let me <laughs> g- give give me a second <laughs> that's even better is that the guy oh, yeah. with the shirt that says pure talent no no it's a it's oh. another gentleman it's an older gentleman he has oh. a mask that goes underneath his chin and he's got a uh, corn on top of a grill in front of him cool. but yeah it's so it's so funny when i get when i get people that or even like uh, there's another photo uh, in the Mexican Dream series at the beginning. Uh, I call them book endings. Well, now I'm calling them book endings because I have a beginning and an ending to each um, to each little, I guess, chapter. You could say I plan on doing chapters because there's so many border towns. So what I want to do is have a beginning and ending to each border town. Um, so I plan on using the same images and the, those images are those of, uh, construction workers on the side of the road that I took a photo of one of them there. Well, they're both sitting down. One of them's looking off in the background. And then on the last photo, he looks towards the camera, but it's so funny. Again, like these, like these guys are construction workers. They're tired. They've been working in the sun all day. I go up to them asking them if I could take a photo and the guy's like already getting posed. Like he's just before i even like as i'm asking him he's already like yeah yeah i'll I'll sit down right here uh he's gonna be back there like just take it like this and i just love it i love it when they embrace me Mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm over here looking i mean i I mean i'm mexican as as can be but i look i pass off as white and so you know that's another thing that i'm working on too as another project later on down the road is um is because they're there's a bunch of people just like me where, you know, you we're as Mexican as can be, but because of the color of our skin, we're not accepted by either side in the sense. We're really? too dark to be, yeah, like we're too dark to be considered white, but I'm too white to be considered Mexican. You ever see so the movie, movie Giant? Old movie made, made in the 1950s with James Dean. That sounds so familiar, Giant. It was, uh, I'm getting way off, off topic here, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a long movie. It's like three hours long. And, uh, that sounds so uh, Rock Hudson, though. Elizabeth Taylor and James Dean and Rock Hudson's a rich guy from Texas. And he, mo- he, he goes to Virginia, like near where I am. 
uh-huh. to, to, and he brings back a wife with him. He owns this huge ranch. You know, he's got this giant house in the middle of this scrub nothing, you know, and he's he, he's got this big ranch and, and uh, his ranch hand, James Dean, uh, mm. uh, hit strikes oil. He becomes very, very wealthy. And uh, but anyway, so his wife, Elizabeth Taylor, he brings her back to Texas and she loves everybody. And, uh, you know, the ranchers and, uh, you know, like the oil people, they treat the Mexicans who live there. They treat them really bad. And, yeah. uh, you know, and this is back in like the 50s. Yeah, it would have been in the 50s. And mm-hmm. so the movie is really about the racial tension between, you know, the white people and the Mexicans in Texas. And then, you, then you've got Elizabeth Taylor in between. Who who loves the the local people and she learns the language, and uh, the Texans hated the movie so much they would they banned it because they didn't want this Being uh, story to get out. I guess. Yeah. But it's a real. Uh, it's really worth seeing. You can see it on Netflix. And, oh, I plan uh, on to now. You, you ought to watch really it. It's you know it's called Giant and it's big in scope and everything. Got anyway, it. sorry. Not all right. <laughs> Sorry, we're not talking photography, but <laughs> and the the cine the uh, cinema photography in the movie is is fabulous. Just I also I think it's funny that you bring up cinematography, just because I've always been not dr- I guess drawn. I mean, I love movies, but I love movies that can really capture me. And, and if the cin- cinematography, uh, as long as like with the director of photography for that film set is having i don't know there's sometimes these camera angles and stuff like that play into <laughs> effect into the into the film or not films the images that i produce and yeah. i think it's cra- like i get i have uh i get uh inspiration from uh from tarantino who else um from mm-hmm. wes anderson wes anderson is probably my favorite right now i'm starting to really like i love the grand budapest it's probably one of my favorite uh films right now um and I've always wanted to capture images the way he does when he zooms in on zooms in on people. Yeah, I just love the way those look. I don't know what it is. I think it's just that like that constant like focus on the on the subject while everything else is blurred out. Uh, it's just so it's so mesmerizing. Yeah, if you want to if you want to learn how to compose a photograph, watch a lot of movies. Yeah, because I mean <laughs> each shot they take forever to put it together and get everything laid out and lit. Mm-hmm. And so they put a lot of time, very experienced people put a lot of time and effort into every scene. Oh yeah. I and, love watching uh, the behind the scenes to see how they work just yeah. because then I could take those practices into what I do. I, again, it's not as drastic as making a movie, but it's drastic to the point where I'm capturing someone and trying to put project an image. And so I think of myself as like a mini Tarantino, basically at that point I'm on, except I don't have a movie set. I don't have Warner brothers or anyone else behind me. I got the world behind me. I've got, I've got the people of Mexico as my set. Hey, even better. So, it's, uh, it's speaking fun. of the people of Mexico, let's go back to your project. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you approach these people. I mean, they're perfect strangers from a different country. Uh, uh, I mean, At any magic in, in, in approaching them or are you? No, sometimes I get too nervous to the point where 
mm-hmm. you know, some of the, some of the gentlemen I, I've taken photos of, they say they're they're. I mean, I'm six, four, almost 200 pounds. So I come off intimidating just off of physical attributes. Uh-huh, like, sure. But, um, some of these guys are smaller than me, but they give me, they give me looks as, as I'm walking up to them uh-huh. sometimes. And I already like, okay, I already have my answer. You don't want a photo taken of you today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it just depends on who I'm going after that the charm comes into effect. Or, charm, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause for the most part, if I'm, if I'm speaking to some elderly women, uh, they already see me as one of their grandchild. And sure. I don't even, I don't even know these people, but it, I love, I love that kind of atmospheric, uh, environment as well yeah. where I can go over and it, they're not going to just shut again. I have, I've been, I've had the opportunity to take photos of people more than I've been shut down, um, mm-hmm. by them again, because they embrace it. They just really want to, as soon as I tell them what I'm doing it or why I'm doing it, they are all for it. They, they leave what they're doing for the second time being, and they go in to try to get this photo. And what I love too is being able to go back after and handing them the the printed image oh, that that's I've taken cool. of them. Yeah, yeah, like uh the the corn vendor that I told about told you about recently, um I was able to get him his photograph and down here in Nogales we I had his image hung up in our historic courthouse uh oh, really? for an exhibition that I had. Yeah. Um and so I was able to give him that and his face lit up in the sense he just never would have thought that he, he wasn't there physically, but he was there mm-hmm. alongside everybody that I took photos of and ha- to be able to have both the community of Nogales Sonora, whoever came over to cross over and see the, my exhibition, as well as the people of Nogales, Arizona, who are already at the exhibition site taking a look at them and it's just it's it's a, it's crazy how how big this has blown up so far so because we've already done the courthouse down here in nogales um i'm these photos are now at the mexican consulate in douglas um hmm. yeah so now wow. i'm trying to now i have next i have a, a, a studio here in nogales on morley avenue called la linea that i'm gonna have a month show at with these photos um they're they're going everywhere and i'm hoping i can get it farther out than arizona though again i'm trying to get that perspective this perspective out to people on the other side of the country people out in wisconsin and people out in in idaho wyoming and stuff like that because they don't know they have a completely sense of different taste or sense of the word border i mean they're next to the canadian border so that i i'm pretty sure they have a a different they well, they have a completely different perspective. I'm oh, honestly yeah. really, I'm honestly really curious as to what their border wall looks like and stuff like that because I've never seen it. You um, can just walk right across. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and I think it's or, so funny how it's not as secure. Well, the border I used to live next. <laughs> I, I lived on the Canadian border in Ohio. You you have to swim or take a boat <laughs> to get across. <laughs> you can see, you know, there's no there's no fence. Well, That's maybe crazy. you know it it mean crossing points a lot of times there's bridges you know cross yeah, bodies of that, water like well that's funny though like isn't that yeah. isn't that I, it kind of it, that, blow, that blows my mind in the sense that they they feel like they need a lot more protection down here than they would up in canada so i mean it, not to say that canada isn't like it's a bad place um 
again, every place has their bad people. Every 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 yeah. country, every every place has their bad apples. But, um, but yeah, I just think it's funny how they would put up a giant border wall with barbed wire down here for people that, I mean, I they I don't get it. I don't I don't really get it. I don't get how our government works. Hmm. Does it? Oh, we're not gonna go there. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's another rabbit hole. <laughs> That's well, that's, you know what? That, that's what's prompted you to do this work. So that case that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to see, I'm trying to show people that, you know, yeah. our government, our government is, is, you know, is as flawed as any other government. Oh, I yeah. mean, I it's, mean, yes, we, ha- this is the, la- this is a great country. You get me like, this is a really great country in the sense of with our freedom and, uh, you know, the amount of freedom that we have, but it's just I don't know. It's just there's things that don't play out right. There's things that don't make sense, and mm-hmm. we think we're number one still. Like we still have a lot of progress to to go on. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a journey, that's for sure. No, it is. I I think it's a great country. I've been a lot of places. It's 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 wonderful, and it's good to travel and go different places so you mm-hmm. have a better perspective of where you are. Um. But let me ask you this. Okay. All your work. Well, before we continue, I want to back up a little bit and clarify something. Because at the beginning, I said that uh, your uh, the title of your article is We Are All Human. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was looking on my other monitor at, at your website, forgetting that the actual name of the article was Mexican Dream. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify that. So if you're looking through the magazine for Kevin's article, the title is Mexican Dream. All right, so let's I don't know, let's continue. I um I want to talk some more about the photography, and I I mean I couldn't help but notice that uh, everything you did in the article is all black and white, mm-hmm. something that's near and dear to my heart, and uh, I'm glad you did it that way. But to tell us why why monochrome for the I, this, Mexico is such a colorful place, which is actually I think is, and that's something that I really want to point out in some of my later projects, but I am more drawn to black and white right now because I find color can be distracting, mm-hmm. especially in Mexico where color is everything. Um, I just couldn't, if I were to have the same images that I had posted up at any of the exhibitions or either, or even online on the article for street photo, um, I find people would have been distracted as by the color versus the actual message behind the image. And that's why I feel like black and white is so strong because you aren't distracted by anything at that point. You're distracted while you're you're giving more of your attention and focus towards the subject, towards what's being photographed. At that point you start unlocking your own kind of your own perspective as to why I would have done this or or what message you think comes across into into your head as the viewer. Um, so that's probably, that's like the biggest thing as to why I do my work in black and white. Cause with color, it's too distracting. So you, if, if I, again, if I had all these images in color, I find that people would have probably lasted five, 10 seconds on each photo just because of their attention span is only focused on, <laughs> on the color. That's and so I, I prefer black and white just cause you can really sit down and look at the image and try to dis try to really figure out what the what the message is behind a, a whole complete series 
So did you shoot these in color or did you shoot them on film in black and white film or did you just shoot color and convert? I shot them in digital color and then I transform them into black and white. Yeah. I like the way you did it. It's very consistent from photo to photo. Uh, Many times people, you know, convert one, one way and one another. And, you know, but these are very consistent. Like you did shoot film. Mm -hmm. No, and it's, it's hard. I tend to forget Mm -hmm. the fact that I need to make them especially if I'm if I plan on making series is that I have to have a consistency so that yeah. so let's say if I have two images with the sky in the background I got to make sure that they both look the same hue because if they don't then they don't look like they were taken in the same day they either look like they were taken on separate days it could have been by an hour or two just depending on how the sun is moving at that point or if there's cloud coverage stuff like that so that's something i've always constantly reminded myself and that's something i really love about uh camera raw and the photoshop uh software Mm -hmm. is that i'm able to upload multiple images and then edit them down like that because then they come down and all to the same hue as i'm working on the settings for them yeah and i see that uh you left the sky white um i mean you could have easily played around with the color slider you know, gone to the blue slider and made it darker, but the but the sky's still white. I I think that that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I tend to go for. I tend to yeah. I try I try to make it consistent as possible, and I can't do that with with color because with color, honestly, I feel like uh, if I were to have one image perfect, I don't think personally I would do this. <laughs> but in the off chance that I would let's say have one image perfectly saturated and then the next image there happens to be one color that's overly saturated. And again, Mm -hmm. that distracts as to that distracts the viewer, the audience as to what the message really is. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. What, uh, what are you shooting with? What, what gear? I was shooting with a, with a Nikon D 5,000 before. Mm -hmm. Um, but with these past images that I've, uh, recently been able to produce, uh, they're, those aren't on my website, honestly. I have to uh, update my website so that uh, the images that I recently took in Aguapirata with the new camera that I have are on there. Uh, Don't but now I'm shooting with a Nikon D850. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's probably like, it. I've, I love the Nikon D5000 as my starter. And I think it's so funny how tiny it is compared to the 850. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big camera, yeah. Yeah, like I, I would put up the 5000 to my face and it's like, you could still see my face versus the 850. It's like the whole camera covers my face, but I just know that it means that this camera is going to put in 10 times more of the work than my 5,000 did. And I'm going to get better image quality. And I'm just, I'm loving this new camera right now. Do you, do you stick with the same focal length? I do. Yeah. I even have, uh, I have, uh, I bought a two in one lens, basically kind of thing. It's a 28 to 300 millimeter. Mm-hmm. And I have tr- been trying to stick around the 40 millimeters, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to like portrait work. Um, I've been trying to stick within that era. Anything farther though. Um, it depends on where I'm at exactly or who I'm trying to capture. Cause for the most part, again, I also, I also really like to take in that approach as a hunter predator or hunter prey kind of mentality where i'm taking a photo of someone because again the, as soon as i take the as soon as i lift up my camera and they see that i that there's a camera pointed into their direction they automatically get afraid i've had people sometimes 
even think that it's necessary to like pull their phone out and point it towards me so that because I have my camera pointed at them, I think it's so hilarious. I've always wanted to capture someone like that. Oh yeah. I think it's so hilarious. Um, but yeah, like it just depends on where I'm at or what I'm trying to shoot that my focal length is different. For, but for the most part, I try to keep it spot on around 30 to 55. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it's very, very, as I said, very, very consistent. Do you feel better about doing more of a projects like, like this? Uh, and instead of um, just going out on the streets and just shooting what you see it, I'm working on a on both kind of thing. I like mm-hmm. I really do like uh being able to create a series because at that point I feel like I'm a director. Again, I go back into like my Tarantino or my Wes Anderson kind of mentality and mm-hmm. I try to create a story. Uh The only thing is is that my tr- my stories aren't my stories aren't fake. My stories are are true stories that, like you can think of them as actual true stories like but living in the moment of history versus having to wait 20 50 years and then look back now at what time was now um so that's pro- that's like my biggest thing is i'm trying to do i'm trying to tell stories of the current moment in history um i do do i do take photos just for just for fun and just try to see what happens uh but at the end of the day, my, again, my Wes Anderson, my Tarantino mind cooks in <laughs> and I start curating all the images that I've taken. I could go out, t- I could go out today and go across the line, take photos, take 200 photos of random things, random people. At the end of the day, I'll look at them all and I'll pick out 20 of them, 25 mm-hmm. of them and make a story out of it. Yeah. Good. I just really love creating a series. I think being able to put a message behind a body of work is a lot more capturing or a lot more captivating than it is to just have bodies of images as a portfolio. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I, I find it more captivating to have a story behind it. Yeah. You're, you're more engaged, I guess, more into it, but involved. Mm-hmm. So, all right. See, so I mean, you need to leave the country to do this. You got to go. You know, you got to cross the border. You get. Yeah, I hear you say things like this side of the fence or over the line. That's kind of interesting because you know, it's lingo you, you know, you use down there in that part of the country. But so, how hard is it at this time to be able to cross the border? Is it's it harder or easier than it used to be? I mean, because of the pandemic, it's harder now. Well, now that the borders have been re- reopened, uh, mm-hmm. it's been a bit, lo- a little bit more difficult in the sense like uh, we're well, recently I traveled to Agua Prieta to go take photos and I'm not from Douglas, uh, which borders uh, Agua Prieta. I have my, my roommate slash best friend show me, uh, show me his nick of the woods because he's from Douglas. Mm-hmm. But when he was showing me and stuff like that, well, I have a century. He does not have a century. So... As we're crossing, I, I'm not going to just leave my best friend just because I have Sentry. So I sit there and I wait with him and I wait with him throughout the whole pedestrian line. And uh, it was pretty long the last time. It just depends on before the borders were reopened, though. It was, re- it was relatively easy. 
especially for me down here in Nogales, because all I had to do is just cross, take my photos, and then with my Sentry, just walk straight back and not have to wait in line. What's what's Sentry? Sentry. Is it like a Nexus Pass? No, it's a it's a little it's a physical card uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that you can get from any of the uh, from the Border Patrol facilities. Um, mm. Well, you have to put in for a form and stuff like that. It takes it does take some time to get that Sentry. Um, but basically, it's almost like a if you've been to Disneyland, think of it like a as a fast pass and like a skip, skip a line pass, like a skip a line pass kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically what it is. Oh. But your friend doesn't have one, huh? No, he does not. Not yet. (laughs) He actually asked me about it because, well, my father works for uh, CBP. Um, So we were able to get it, get in uh, relatively fast. So so my roommate was actually just kind of like saying like, oh, hey, like, uh, I'm gonna have to talk to your dad soon. (laughs) And I was just like, okay. So CBP, Custom and Border Protection or Border? Yeah, Custom and Border Protection. Yeah. Yeah, we used to see those guys in Lake Erie. They, <laughs> they'd pull up in these super fast boats, and uh, you know, because they they were patrolling the the border the goes in the yeah. lake. and uh, <laughs> sometimes they'd pull up you know, like some giant yacht would would come in and they they'd pull them over, and these guys they were badass looking guys, you know, they had these vests on that said CBP and oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, looked like they were all like weightlifters and stuff. <laughs> it must have uh, been big, like it's yeah. crazy. The monsters they produce—you would have <laughs> never thought that you would be able to like. You'd only see these guys in movies. Like, no, there's these guys that like live every day like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that must be interesting. Your dad works for works for the the border patrol. They probably won't let you follow him around and photograph his work, huh? No, well, now he's more into, he's uh, switched over from, because before he was a canine officer. And oh, so, really? Yeah, so he was actually just walking the lines as people would cross in their cars with his canine and just try to see if his dog could pick up on any drugs. Yeah. Um, but now he works into, he works in the in the sentry facility, so he's out processing people to get their sentries approved in or, or mm. disapproved, depending on what the situation might be. Um. But yeah, I think it's a lot of people kind of like bring that up on me uh, where they'll be like, oh, like you do work on, you know, the Mexican people, the border and stuff like that. Like, how does it feel to have your dad be a CBP officer and stuff like that? And it's like I t- I'll tell people like my dad's a, 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 is a loving human being. He he does not he does not look at anybody the wrong way. He always gives people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, so it's like even there's like. There's CBP officers, even BP officers. Again, they're just human. They're just they're just trying to get they're just trying to get their paycheck and go kind of thing. They're not they're not doing it for systematic racism or they're not they they don't do. I mean, again, there are bad apples depending on mm-hmm. who, who they are and everywhere everywhere and everything. But um, there's some real genuine people that just that don't see it that way. They just do it for the paycheck. And so, you know, when people bring up like, oh, like your dad's a CBP officer and you're doing stuff on this, it's like, my dad supports me a hundred percent because he knows who they are as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So tell me, who's your greatest influence? My greatest influence? Yeah. And the work that you do. That's hard. I mean. Yeah. I, I don't really think I've, I've generated such an influence yet just because 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, at this point, I could probably just say Mexico in general has always been my influence. I've always, I've always admired Mexico in the sense of, again, just the landscape, the people, food, the our culture, my culture, basically. Um, so it's all, it's always been around. I mean, it's been there since I was born, and so it's, I, that's probably my biggest influence. Yeah. I mean, any photographers who, um, influenced your style or, or what you actually do with your, your time and your talent. So there's a gentleman out in California that I mm-hmm. don't typically would, I wouldn't typically, I wouldn't say that we follow the same, uh, project style, but I say we would follow the same, uh, aesthetic photo or aesthetic po- uh, point of view in a photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name his name is Esteban uh, Oriol. He's out of uh, L.A. Um, if you haven't seen uh, the documentary L.A. Originals on Netflix, I would check it out. It's really awesome. Um, they talk about uh, they they do talk about a lot of like the the rappers that came up out of the West Coast, mm-hmm. but they also talk about the L- the in the title as the title is referenced L.A. Originals. So they talk about the original people of of L.A. And Esteban Orio is a documentary photographer who's taking photos of uh, of the Latino people, Chicano people as well that subside in in LA and South Central and stuff like that. And his a lot of his work is what influences me to do what I do aesthetically. Uh, actually, like when when I when I look at his work. Um, it drives me to 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 do better, especially with the way his photos look. And his photos, I mean, like they're not average. They're not average, but they're just I can't I can't even put into words how much like his work influences me. It's just different. It's really different mm-hmm. to see how he takes photos of everyday LA people, of the Chicano people, and and he shows the culture within the states here. And I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to show who we are as people on the other side of that fence. That's cool. I'll, I'm going to check him out. I've I've heard his name. Yeah, he's and a pretty I've heard big. Of LA originals. I haven't watched it though. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty big guy. He's I guess he's the. I don't know if you've ever seen um, where people have like the L and they go like that for LA. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's like the like the originator. He's like I guess he's he took the original photo of some gentleman that or. Uh, a gentleman that did that. And so, yeah, I think that's just, I think it's crazy how an image can put you, can set you in, in, in the stone of history for, for something that big. So I'm hoping something as, as, as big as what I'm doing is I'm hoping that it gets as big as what he's done. It's got to keep at it. Keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing. It's good stuff. So Mm -hmm. what's next for you? What's, What's on the horizon? A lot of projects, man. I got too many. I got too many <laughs> ideas going on in my head. I have. I have a. I have a project that I. I don't have the title for it yet. I think. I feel like I do have the title for it, but I want to secure it in stone until I get the photos that I want. Um, I'm going to start metaphor. Uh, metaphorically, uh, taking photos and using a cactus as a metaphorical subject for the for the Mexican. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the word or the phrase uh, nopal de enfrente. It means cactus mm-hmm. in front. It basically means it's like a it's like one of those. I don't know. A lot of Mexicans don't really te- tend to don't like that phrase, 
because mm-hmm. it's it's more of an insult. It sounds more of an insult than it is mm-hmm. like a, I guess you couldn't say it's a compliment, but you could say it's more of a. I don't know what I'm trying. I I basically I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to basically use that nopal de enfrente, the cactus in front, uh, as a metaphorical sense for an actual cactus by any type of any type of uh, man-made uh, wall that I see. So I'm trying to do that. I'm also trying to show the realness and artificialness between the two countries. I'm trying to show how real Mexico is and the landscape is and the environment that they're around versus how artificially we live here. Um, this is like, again, if it, before the pandemic down here in Nogales, there's a, there's a street down here called Morley Avenue that used to be populated with foot traffic, um, back then and stuff like that, or even, uh, within the past recent years, uh, before the pandemic. And now with the pandemic, it, it is entirely dead. It looks like a straight movie set. If you've been to Universal Studios and you've been on the movie movie tour thing where they take you on the little cart, it mm-hmm. lo- it feels exactly like that where you are on a movie set where it's all artificial. Nothing's real. And then you cross the border, you cross that fence and buildings aren't up to code, <laughs> but there's still businesses being run out of them. There's potholes. Uh-huh. On every square inch of the of the road, there's there's cable wires that are I don't that, that aren't up to code. They're just hanging out for all people to see and touch. And so I just think it's I I mean if you go down to Mexico City, yeah, the city's a lot more refurbished. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's it's not artificial. It's so real. You can see how much culture was has been in it has been in like injected into it throughout centuries of people living there and so and you come here and you go to again the united states is a very beautiful country it's got beautiful landscapes it's got it's got beautiful people that, as well that inhabit the lands but it just it doesn't beat the culture that we have in mexico like it just doesn't and I, I think it it blows my mind so uh, that's what I'm also trying to show is not only the real and artificialness between people, but between the landscape as well. It's funny. You keep bringing up movies here. I can't even remember the name of this movie, but I think it took place in Nogales. It was filmed in about in the fifties and there's that, that main street and there was no border or fence or wall. You could just like go back and forth. Yep. You know, like you're just going to another neighborhood and uh, oh, I wish I could remember the name of it. <laughs> I'm going to find it. I'll send it to you. Okay, definitely. <laughs> I'll put it in the article because everybody's. But uh, it, it's all about that that area, and uh, it was very, very interesting. Man, okay, enough with that. <laughs> so <laughs> enough about nothing. Sorry about that, but uh, you just made me remember that. All right, Kevin. Well, thanks. Um, Thanks again. Tell us, I guess, before we go, where people can can go to see more about you, see more of your work online or and in person, because it sounds like you've got some exhibitions going on. I do got a couple of things cooking. Um, I will be updating my website uh, at or it's um, Um I also have an Instagram page where I, I'm constantly uploading, I feel like. Uh, 
to the point where I have to stop myself uh, because I feel like people get annoyed, even though they I've gotten pretty good feedback so far. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at, at Kevin J Zuniga doc or at Kevin J Zuniga, not the no.com. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. But, and of course we'll have, we'll have those links in the, uh, in the show notes and they're also in, well, they're in the uh, article as well in the magazine article, which all you subscribers, you get to go and take a look at that. So well, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you so much. It's been, for it's been a lot of fun talking to you. We'll it's have been, to do it again. Yes, definitely. Please invite me back. <laughs> okay. That's easy. Awesome. <laughs> Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine. <music>